Hi, and thank you for tuning in to the Fireside Church Podcast. Fireside is a new church on the North Shore of Massachusetts. Our mission is to love God, love others, and help others do the same. For more information, check us out at firesidechurch.org. Hey guys, this is Connor Fauché. I am the worship leader at Fireside Church. I had the honor of preaching this weekend due to some technical difficulties. Uh, we weren't able to get the recording um, of the sermon itself. Um, so I'm going to be uh, kind of redoing the message now. Should be pretty much the same message. So don't don't turn this off. Keep listening. Um, I was preparing for the sermon for a while. Andy gave me about two months notice and I had lots of different ideas at, at what to speak on and, and through prayer and, and study and reading the Bible, I kept going in these different directions. I felt like I wanted to speak on the Holy Spirit. I thought that I wanted to speak on making disciples. And then everything happening with the Bowers and, and Ellie um, relapsing and just the way that's affected our church community it was like, man, what am I going to speak on? We're in such a a um, difficult place right now, and people really need to hear from God. And, and as I continued to, to prepare, um, God started leading me to this idea of the body of Christ that's in Scripture, um, mainly Romans 12 and, and 1 Corinthians 12 uh, and several other places. Um, and just... It, it just seems like a very timely word, and this is such an important thing for us to understand as a church how we represent the body of Christ and how we act as the body of Christ and how the body of Christ, um, you know, relates to making disciples and how the Holy Spirit is necessary for the body of Christ. So it's interesting how God kind of connected all those dots, but I'm going to pray real quick and then I'll kind of jump into things. Dear God, um, God, you work in, in interesting ways, and I did not plan on having to re-record this sermon, but I just thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak your words. I thank you for this opportunity to, to teach, to encourage, to um, influence, and I pray that, that your love and your conv conviction would be heard, God. I pray for whoever's listening to this podcast, whatever they're doing during their day, that, that you would, would just uh, interrupt their rhythm with, with your word, God, that we would really hear you speaking, that it wouldn't just be me speaking, but that it would really be you speaking, that your word, that the Bible would come alive as we study it, and look at what it means in our context today. Thank you, God. Amen. All right. Well, body of Christ, that's our main thing today and how we as a church are the body of Christ and how we each have many roles. But before we get specifically into those texts, I want to give a little bit of background information and precursor so kind of how we get to this idea of the body of Christ, how we get to this idea of the church. And 
talk about how this idea of the church, this idea of the body of Christ and how it operates is God's plan A for getting the gospel out to people. It's God's plan A for confronting our, our problems and in the issues and the suffering that we face in life, the body of Christ is God's plan A for that. And so I want to kind of look at how God sets this up, how God sets up this beautiful thing. So how we're, where we're looking first, excuse me, is in Luke chapter 24. It's at the end of Luke. And you can think of this as right after the Easter story. So our where we're talking about today starts right after the Easter story ends. Jesus has resurrected. And these are the last words, some of the last words that he's saying to his um, followers, his disciples. And this is in Luke 24, 46 through 49. Pay attention to this. So he says, it says, he also said to them, this is what is written. The Messiah would suffer and rise from the dead the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And look, I am sending you what my father promised. Remember that, what my father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. And the disciples do just that. They stay in the city and, and wait to be empowered. So our story now, the next chronological thing in the Bible is Acts. Uh, originally, Luke and Acts were one book, Luke, Acts. It sounds kind of clunky, but <laughs> that's what it is. And uh, so that was the last chapter of Luke. And then our, our story picks up in Acts 1. The disciples are are waiting in the city and they're they're, they come together and they're praying and then this miraculous thing happens. The Holy Spirit falls on them just like Jesus said. He said, wait, stay in the city until you are empowered. And that's what happens. They're empowered. And when he says, look, I'm sending you what my father promised, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit comes down and it's this crazy display. There's, there's pillars of fire and then all the believers who were, who were all praying together start proclaiming the gospel in all these different languages. Now, these are all Galileans, but they're all speaking these foreign languages. And, and people weren't really bilingual around then, at least not lay people, just normal people that are all speaking in these different languages that there's no way they could know. And, and all these onlookers that speak these languages are completely blown away. And they're all wondering what's going on. And then Peter gives this eloquent sermon in, a, in kind of response to that. And it's kind of like the first sermon after, after Jesus. Obviously, Jesus has the Sermon on the Mount and he, he speaks to people. But kind of the, the first time we see this idea of preaching the gospel after Jesus proclaims that. And it's this cool fulfillment because when Jesus was with the disciples, they were he was telling them, you know, you're going to you're going to spread the gospel, you're going to preach the good news and they were saying Peter was one of them, Jesus, how do we know what to say? And he said, you know, when the time is right, pray to the Holy Spirit and he'll give you the words to say. You'll know the words to say because of the Holy Spirit. And so we see the fulfillment of this. The Holy Spirit is just is just fallen and now 
Peter is eloquently speaking these words, so much so that these people are, are, are pierced to the heart, it says, and they're really, um, you know, from the, the sign of the different languages and from, from Peter's sermon, they're, they're pretty much convinced. So they say to Peter uh, and the disciples, brothers, what should we do? And this is how Peter responds. Listen to this. This is in Acts 2, verse 38 through 39. It's very similar to what Jesus says. Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, that's us, as many as the Lord our God will call. So this, we kind of see this framework kind of laid out at how God is, is starting the early church. This is kind of how the early church is started and how this body of Christ uh, locomotive kind of runs. So, you know, we see this kind of pattern of there's an encounter of Jesus and then there's repentance and then there's receiving the Holy Spirit and then things kind of repeat. They, you know, you spread it to someone else and, and they see um, you know, they have an encounter with Jesus through um, how the Holy Spirit has, has empowered you. And it kind of takes this cyclical nature, which we see in this story because we see Jesus saying it to the disciples. And then by the end of, of Acts 2, now those same disciples are spreading it to other people. And that continues on and on and on and on. So this is a really cool thing of how... Um, how this all works and how God is setting it up. So we have encounter, repentance, receiving the Holy Spirit, and then, you know, things kind of repeat. Um, before we move on from these texts, one thing I, I do want to touch on is this word repent. And as I was preparing for this, I was kind of uh, caught up on the word repent a little bit. Repent, um, if I'm honest, I really hate the word repent. I feel like repent has a lot of negative cultural connotations. When I think of repent, I think of, you know, the Westboro Baptist church or just these, just this angry judgmental gospel street preachers and people with signs that say turn or burn. And it's just this like repent or die aggressive, throwing people's sins in their faces and just not something that I associate with the goodness and the love and the mercy, um, but still conviction and judgment of Jesus. Um, so I'm reading this and I'm like, man, Jesus, why did you choose this word repent? Like, why is this kind of the, the focal point? The last thing you're saying to your disciples, you include this idea of preaching repentance. I'm like, ah. So sometimes when we read the Bible, we have to step back for a second and we have to not just think about how we understand these words or these phrases based on our own cultural experiences, but what was originally the intent of what was said. And so if we look at the Greek word for repent, if we look at what repentance actually means, the Greek word is this beautiful word, metanoia. Metanoia is an awesome word. And what metanoia means 
is it's this idea of a mind change, a change of mind. It's changing the the way that we make decisions. It's it's a change of life, a change of heart. Metanoia is this idea of turning or transformation. It's not this angry thing, but metanoia is this idea of, you know, before Jesus, we're going through life and we're, we're just following what the world says we should follow. We're, we're chasing success. We're chasing wealth. We're chasing, you know, the American dream. You know, we're chasing a nice house and, and a great job and, and a great family and all these things that the world says we need and our happiness and our pleasure. And we chase all these different things. And then we encounter Jesus. And when we encounter Jesus... It realigns all of our priorities. And we stop walking in one direction. And we turn. And we start following Jesus. And we say, wherever you're going, Jesus, I want to follow. And I recognize my sins in the past. I recognize that, that what I was doing before isn't the best thing. That it's not good. That it's sin. And I want to follow you. So I was really... I've heard that before, but this week reading it, it just brought a freshness to my understanding of the gospel. And it was really, I really needed that. And I just pray that if you've been hurt by that kind of connotation of repentance, that kind of angry gospel, I just want to say sorry on behalf of that. And for you to just know that that is not Jesus's message of Jesus does not have a message of anger, that it's this beautiful idea of metanoia, that, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the better way. So with that out of the side, <laughs> let's, um, let's kind of keep the ball rolling and let's dive into more of this idea of the body of Christ. So what I want to look at now is kind of our key passage today, which is Romans 12, 3 through 8. Romans 12, 3 through 8, Paul is writing here and he says, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly, as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching in teaching. If exhorting in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. Now, the first verse in that, before Paul starts talking about all these gifts, which we'll get into, he says, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. I feel like I need to hear this every day. Do not think of yourself more highly than you should. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. We can't do this on our own. We need each other. We can't bring revival on our own. 
We can't spread the gospel on our own. We can't follow the will of God on our own. Don't think too highly of yourself. We need each other. Our culture loves to isolate, but we need to surround ourselves with each other. And we need to surround ourselves with people who are different than us and embrace differences. In 1 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 14, Paul kind of expounds on this metaphor of the body and us being parts of the body. And it says, Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? So, we have this idea of we each play a different role, and we need our differences, and we need to each be in our role, and we can't be jealous of someone else's role. And I think sometimes there's churches where it's like, oh man, all these people have this gift. Like it says, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. The foot shouldn't, he's saying, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It's not less of less a part of the body because it's not a hand. And I think sometimes we can say, oh, because I don't have that gift, maybe I don't belong in this body or maybe, you know, God's not really trying to work through me in the same way because, oh, I, I don't have that gift, so I can't play as much of a part. But we each play a part and each part is so important. And But the hand alone can't carry out the mission of the body. And the foot alone, or the mouth alone, or the eye alone can't carry out the mission of the body. We each need to play our role well and not get distracted by other people's roles and all work together so that we can form the body of Christ so that people can see Christ and that the work of Christ can be done. If you've ever watched... Uh, <laughs> Little kids, like, you know, four, five, six years old, play a soccer game. Uh, you've encountered something pretty magical. <laughs> I grew up playing soccer since I was really little. Both of my siblings did. Lots of cousins did. I've spent a lot of time at these just real, like, little kids soccer games. And it's it's so amazing to watch. <laughs> and you basically have two kinds of players at these at these games. You have one kind of player who it's all about the ball. It's I'm going to get the ball wherever the ball is. That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to chase the ball. I'm going to follow the ball. It doesn't matter who has the ball. If it's someone on the other team, I'm going to take it. If it's someone on my team, I'm going to take it. I don't even know who's on my team. It doesn't matter where the goals are. I'm not trying to get anywhere. I just want to get the ball. I don't have the ball. I'm going to get the ball. I don't know what I'm going to do when I get the ball. And you just have this swarm of kids all just kind of chasing the ball in this anarchy. The other kind of kid, it seems like they don't even know that there's a game being played. Like they're over there like picking their nose. I remember one kid, he was he was playing goal. This is I think this was when I was playing soccer. There was one kid who was playing goal and he was he was the goalie and the other team scored a goal and our coach was like, "What were you doing, Lucas? Why weren't you paying attention?" and and he was reading the 
instructions on our pop-up soccer goal. He was reading the instructions in the middle of the game. I think a lot of times <laughs> the church can, as Christians, we can fall into one of those categories. One where we have all this passion and zeal and excitement to do what God has called us to do, but we're not really taking any instruction or direction. We're not listening to, to God. We're not discerning with the Holy Spirit what we're supposed to be doing. We're not working together with other people. We're trying to do it all on our own. And we're just like, yeah, we got to get the ball. We got to get the ball. The other side of things is I think a lot of us don't even recognize that, that a game is being played. We don't even recognize that we're in the middle of a battle. And that might sound weird. Some of you might think, oh, I'm not really going in through anything right now. Are we going through a battle? And if you don't think that, that there is a battle going on, just take a look at some of our opponents that we're facing. Think about our church right now. Facing cancer. Depression, infertility, anxiety, heartbreak, loss, fear. If we want to talk about opponents, let's look at how our region, less than 3% of people are churched. Less than 3% of people in our region would say that they attend a church. And how many of us have... I've known so many people, and I myself, and I'm sure you two or someone you know, have been in the church and not had a relationship with God at some point in your life. You were attending church, but you were not seeking God personally. You didn't have a relationship with God. Do we believe this Bible? Do we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him? Do we believe in eternal life? Do we believe in eternity? Do we believe in heaven? Do we believe that, that Jesus is the path to salvation and that in order to have eternity in heaven, we need to, to accept and believe in him and ask for forgiveness for our sins? Yet we act like we're not fighting any battle. We're facing all these things and all these people are completely lost. And half of us are, are trying to attack that on our own, by our own wisdom. And half of us don't even realize that a game's going on. You look at a pro soccer team. They each have their position. They're listening to the coach at what they're supposed to be doing. They're taking it seriously. And not just that, but they're preparing even when they're not playing a game. They're waking up at a certain time. They're going to bed at a certain time. They have a certain diet. They have a certain workout regimen. They're preparing. They're watching, you know, film. They're, they're preparing in every way that they can for battle. So that they can be the strongest team and they work together as a team. They each play their role. They're spread out. You don't see people fighting with their own teammates for the ball. You don't see them arguing with their people who are on the same side as them to get the ball. They're working together. They're a cohesive team. And that's what we need to be as the church if we're going to face this. If we're going to face the battles that are in front of us, if we're going to face the things that are going on with the Bowers, if we're going to approach 
just the spiritual deadness of this area. We need to be a church that is bound together, a church that is one and that is empowered from the Holy Spirit in different roles to carry out his work. So let's talk about those roles. Let's um, kind of unpack these verses that talk about um, specifically the, the different gifts of the Spirit. So, here we go. First, we're going to read in that Romans 12 passage again, and then we're going to read uh, a different passage in 1 Corinthians 12 where Paul is just listing these gifts. And, and something to keep in mind, I, I think our, our tendency is to say, which gift is mine? Um, and one is, you know, Paul's giving a list in these two places and they're slightly different, which leads me to believe that, and not just me, but leads me to believe that this isn't a set number of gifts, but he's just, these are examples of ways that the Holy Spirit can gift us. And the point that we should get out of this is not, what is my gift? But rather, this spirit of, of desiring the gifts and, and that the Holy Spirit can and will, and we should expect him to work through us. So here we go. Um, we're starting in Romans 12, verse 6. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. Teaching in teaching. Encouraging in encouragement. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. Showing mercy with cheerfulness. And then we have 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is given to each person for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing. To another, performing of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. The important thing to remember when we read this, when we hear this big list of all these different gifts, and I encourage you to look at those verses and, and to study these things. But the important thing to remember is that there's a difference between skills and gifts of the Holy Spirit. That these are not naturally occurring skills. These are not our natural strengths and weaknesses. These are gifts of the Holy Spirit. So this isn't just, oh, I'm good at that or I'm not good at that. So that's my gift. Oh, that this is my gift because I'm, I'm better at that. These are things from the Holy Spirit. Francis Chan has a quote where he says, let's not be too hasty in attributing to the Spirit something that others can muster up in the flesh. If it's the Holy Spirit that's giving us the ability to encourage someone, it shouldn't just be your run-of-the-mill encouragement. Lots of people who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit give and serve and, and teach and encourage and do a lot of these things. The thing that makes it a gift of the Holy Spirit is that this is something that's inexplainable. We think about, you know, the, the early Christians that we talked about in Acts 2 when they're speaking in tongues. They're speaking in these different languages and people look at that and they're like, 
we need an explanation for this. This is supernatural. That's what a gift of the Holy Spirit is. That the gift of the Holy Spirit shows the Holy Spirit the gap between what we can do on our own and what we are doing. The gap between what people would expect us to do and the reality of what we're doing is where the proof of the Holy Spirit lives. And so we can't shortchange the gifts of the Spirit. We can't just say, oh, what's my gift? Oh, I'm naturally better at this. This is my gift. That's why I'm not a big fan of, it's fine if you do these, these spiritual gift tests, that's fine. But I'm personally not a fan of them because... I don't think you can base your what how the Holy Spirit's going to gift you just based on your personality. That God can go beyond our personality. God can allow us to do things that are far beyond our natural inclinations or our natural capacity. And that's where we see the Holy Spirit. And that's where the gifts of the Holy Spirit shine. That's how we get these encounters. And this is how the gospel is spread. This is how we're encouraged. This is how the body of Christ is built up by the Holy Spirit working through us. Andy a while ago preached a sermon and he was talking about peace. And he had a great line that peace is not achieved, it is received. This idea of we don't work for peace, we surrender trying to figure things out on our own and we receive peace from the Holy Spirit. And it's the same thing with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that these are not achieved, they are received. We don't have a a, a gift of of teaching from the Holy Spirit or, or a gift of prophecy from the Holy Spirit because, you know, we try really hard to do that or try to create that on our own. Anyone can do that. Anyone can can try to muster up something in their flesh. Where the Holy Spirit shines is when we surrender and we receive. We receive the gift. And, and God can do things from through us that we can't even imagine. The gift that the Holy Spirit gives you is not for you. It's given to you to be given. To be given. This is what the body of Christ does. We encourage one another. We build each other up so that we can make it through the challenges that we're facing. And so that we can come together and represent Christ together. When one of us tries to represent Christ on our own, we fall short. But when we represent Christ as a body, the image of Christ can be clearly seen. The body of Christ is formed and people can encounter Jesus and come to him. My prayer for our church right now is that we would be in a season of desiring the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1 says along the lines of pursue love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We need to long for these things. Let's be committed as a church. I feel called to to bring us to this commitment as a church to be praying daily, God, use me. I surrender myself. I pray that you would use me, that your Holy Spirit will work through me and gift me in ways far beyond my own ability so that your kingdom can be built up and so that your will can be accomplished. We are working to accomplish the will of God. And it's going to take all of us.
There are people in our church. There are people around us that are in need. And this is God's plan for that. We look around and we're like, God, what are you doing? How are you allowing all these bad things to happen? And God is saying, I, that's why you're here. I'm trying to use you. I'm trying to use you to confront those things. There are people who have financial needs and they need someone compelled by the Holy Spirit, gifted by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit to give something that's like, oh my gosh, this makes me so uncomfortable. I don't know why this isn't a smart financial decision, but I just feel like we should give you this. I just... I just feel like we should give you this. We People have, have needs where they need someone to serve them in, in a way where they just don't expect anything in return. And it's like, man, why would you even do that? That's crazy. And and God's going to give us give us words and, and we're going to be reading the Bible in the morning and, and we're going to we're going to see something and someone's name is just going to come into our mind and we're going to say, man, I just feel like this person needs to hear this this morning and we're going to we're going to send that verse to them and they're going to say, "Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I needed to hear." And the reason God wants to work through us like that, the reason God wants to empower us with the Holy Spirit to do these things is because we need it. We need to be built up. We need encouragement and the people who are lost need to be found. So let's step up. Let's say, God, I surrender myself. This isn't about me, God. I'm not going to think too highly about myself. But I surrender to your will. I surrender to your message, God. And I want to be a cog in your great machine, God. I want to be used by you today. Use me. Use me, Lord. And when we start praying like that, when we start opening ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, becoming available to God, we're going to start noticing the opportunities. And all it takes is obedience. I'm going to pray for us. Dear God, I just thank you for these words. I thank you for this. great plan of the body of Christ that you have. I thank you that we get to be part of the body of Christ. That we are joined together in Christ. That we have the ability to to be a part of your kingdom through Jesus. Through our repentance and forgiveness of sins. That we are empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk out and do your will, God. I pray that um your um, intent behind the words that I said today would be understood that um, if I misspoke in any way that that the the right meaning would be heard God and I pray that we would uh, use these words in our life that these would not be hollow words but that we would really step up as the body of Christ that we would start operating the way that you want us to operate and I pray that we would see people taking new steps in their faith. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your love and your grace and your perfect plan. It's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. <laughs>